millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the third Rogue Report Exiles podcast. I'm Brett Lyons-Davis and today we'll be talking about the Rotherham draw, our thoughts on the takeover news, we'll be previewing Bolton this weekend, we'll be giving you some Sunderland Sporters branch news updates and also reading out a couple of your questions from Twitter and if there's chance we will be discussing the hot topic of pink slices. A very brief recap, though, first um, of the Exiles, what the Exiles pod is all about. The Rogue Report lads put a call out in the summer to get some Exiles supporters on board um, to give you a little bit of a feel of what it's like supporting the lads from a distance. Now, we have lads in our group from all over the UK and Ireland. Um, We've got some in mainland Europe and even the other side of the world. And that's my first guest tonight is, and I'd like to introduce you, to Martin Wanless, who is on the line all the way from Australia. Martin, how are you doing? I'm well, Brett. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much, Martin. Now, it's 9.35 on a Thursday evening at the moment. What time are you there? It's currently 6.34 in the morning. I'm in the future. It is Thursday. It's Friday. You've got me it's confused. It's Friday it's morning. morning. You've got one day to game day on Saturday. That's right. That's right. You know, obviously, the great thing about yourself is um, you're off out from the northeast originally, and obviously you've moved out to Australia. But how, how do you sort of follow the lads all the way over there? Yeah, well, I've been out here for for almost ten years now, and the when when I came over, obviously we were in the in the Premier League. I um, my first game was in '87, so I used to go week in week out and had a season ticket all all the way along. So when I came out here, you know, watching the Sunderland games was the the one thing that you know, obviously, apart from friends and family, watching the Sunderland games is the one thing I was concerned about. But when I got out here, every every Premier League game was broadcast live. So, yes, you've got to get up at 12 o'clock in, or 1 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock, but you could watch every game. And that was pretty much the same until the season before last when we were in the Championship and the club, in its wisdom, decided not to, to stream any games. That probably was a good season to miss. Um, so I, I only managed to watch a few games live then, but since I put the stream back on, I've been recommencing the the early alarm clocks. And for, for yourself then, because how often do you get back over to the UK to see games then? I, I, I was trying to work out the other day. I think I've been back seven or eight times in 10 years. So it's almost every year. And I always try to coincide it with a good run of, of home games. Had a long weekend in London for the, the Czech trade final last season. 
I couldn't. Well, I, I I did think that was going to be my you know probably my best chance ever of seeing us win at Wembley, because for one I I thought we'd go up automatically, and two I thought we'd um, consequently not be in the the Czech Trade Trophy this season, which we well we're not, but we're in a, a trophy similar trophy with a different name. Um, so I thought that was going to be the best chance ever of seeing us win at Wembley. So I came over for a long weekend, and obviously we didn't. I must admit, coming home from Wembley after the playoffs, well, so obviously I'm based in Milton Keynes, so Wembley's very close to me. It's 45 minutes or so on the tube. That felt a very long time leaving Wembley. Well, for you, you're flying back, what, 24 hours to get back home to Australia? <laughs> that's a long yeah. that's a long trip after to following the <laughs> It was a long trip. I think it would have been a longer trip if it had been following the playoff final because I, um, you know, the Czech Trade Trophy, while it would be nice to win, it wasn't um, it, it wasn't a, a massive one. But I think if it had been after the playoff final, certainly it would have been a, an awfully long trip. But no, it was, certainly, um, it was certainly enough time to ponder on where it went wrong. No, definitely. So yourself, you've got um, a son and a daughter over there. Are they growing up? Sunderland fans, have you managed to, to you know keep the tradition going? Yeah, I've got a, a son who um, Ted who's six and a, a daughter who's two. Ella, Ella's a bit too young to to get into it yet, but you know Ted went to a school disco a couple of weeks ago in in his red and white stripes, and it was a sports sports themed disco. So he Fantastic. he proudly wore a Sunderland shirt. He was obviously the only one in attendance who who had red and white stripes on. But we are planning a trip over Christmas, and he'll be coming to his first game, hopefully the Boxing Day game. Now that it's, it's definitely going to go ahead. So, yes, oh, that'll that be his, his Stadium of Light debut. And that, that'll be a fantastic game. You know, good, you know, hopefully like last season, there's a massive push to make it 49,000. If they can do the same again this season, what a first game for him. You know, that'd be absolutely amazing. Yes, let's hope we can win. Well, that's always a big question of us, isn't it? That's, <laughs> that's, that's the problem. As I, my daughter's first game was one all v Portsmouth last year. So at least she saw us take the lead and she, she got the crowd going. So it's a, uh, yeah, I think that that first game, though, is very important to get the kids nailed on red and white. So my first game was a, a 2 0 defeat at home to Oldham. So it, it didn't set me up too badly. <laughs> it let, at least it let you know what you're in store for for the next or like 20 odd years. Exactly. Um, now, Martin, it's great to have you on the line. Um, we're also joined today, a little bit closer to home, a bit closer to the North East. We've got um, Danny Roberts, who is from Lincoln. Danny, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you. Good man. And Danny, what's what's your story then? Um, as you say, so Martin has you know emigrated um, away from the North East. Yourself, how, how have you come about being a Sunderland supporter? So I was actually born in Germany, and my mum was originally from Sunderland, so unfortunately she sort of pushed me into the red and white persuasion and the rest of it, rest is history. But my entire family all support, apart from my mum and me, all support different teams. So one of my brothers is a Liverpool fan, my other brother's a Tottenham fan, my dad's a Burnley fan. So I got lumbered with Sunderland. But yeah, so I moved to Sunderland when I was about 10, then moved away when I was 18 to go to university. Now I live in Lincoln, where I used to live when I was in, when my dad was in the RAF. And yeah, just stayed in Lincoln after university and go to as many games as possible now. Good man. And obviously, we, you know, well, me and yourself met down at um, Peterborough a couple of weeks ago. There's also a few of us kind of met up, didn't they? So it was a nice to enjoy a beer with the Exiles gang. 
yeah, it was getting to know a few people. John, who is also from Lincoln, um, it was nice to put a face to him as well. And um, strange because there's a lot of Sunderland supporters in um, Lincoln and they're all just coming out of the woodwork a little bit now. I've seen so many. I gave one of my Webley tickets away to someone who I'd never met before and he lived about 0.6 miles away from me in Lincoln. Never met him before. Didn't know he existed until I had that ticket. It's just so strange how it small is, those world is. It is bizarre because I actually touched upon it briefly on the um, on the first pod that I did that like when we left Wembley after the playoffs, well, so we, we got off at, at Milton Keynes and just on that one cho- like train alone, there was about 30 Sunderland fans all getting off at Milton Keynes. And it's, and it's a minute, I've even, I've, I've learned about it more now in doing the pod. And obviously today we put a bit of a shout out for some of the, the branches to give us, um, you know, bit of a, you know, basically some news and some meetup points. We're everywhere. You know, Sunderland is a massive, massive club, you know, and yeah, we're not the most successful, but, you know, it really is great. And also um, on the line today, we've got um, a, probably a familiar voice, actually, he was on the first pods uh, a couple of weeks ago, is um, is Bomber in Gloucester. Bomber, how you doing? Good evening, Brett. I'm good, mate. I'm not too bad at all. Good to be back. All lucky listeners get to listen to my dulcet tones once again. The pleasure is all ours, mate. Pleasure is all ours. <laughs> um, do you know what? I'll jump straight into it with with, with yourself, Bomber, because I know you made an absolute boatload of notes um, <laughs> during the game on Tuesday night. And one of the things, um, obviously, we've got a bit of a WhatsApp group between us, and Bomber did. But, well, he 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 let us into the mind of Bomber um, yeah. on Tuesday with his notes. So, Bomber, what was your thoughts? You know, obviously. We, Drew one all with um with Rotherham, you know, started well, started really well. Obviously, one nil up after thirty odd seconds. McGeady missed the penalty, went downhill, but you know, you know, I'll let you take over. You know, what were your thoughts on it? Well, I think if if ever there was a um a, a cliche of a, a, having a single moment that turned a game, it was that penalty. If ever there was evidence for that, it was that Aidan McGeady penalty. The first thirty minutes, we were sharp, we were quick, we were moving the ball. Uh, you had McNulty, uh, 09, McGeady just closing the, down that back four, closing down the, the keeper, putting him under pressure, making him stick it out for throw ins. We were winning the ball back in their half, just putting him under so much pressure. And then all of a sudden, that penalty gets missed, and it's like just the balloon just deflates. And it's just a completely different team, a completely different dynamic. Um, and that was the. the the rest of the the game really for the next 60 minutes we spent pretty much hanging on um we couldn't string a handful of passes together we weren't anywhere near as quick in closing them down we let them control the game a little bit um i did think that we looked a lot better with luke on nine in the middle um that just just that energy you know even if he's not actually performing on the ball just the energy that he gives us in closing down defenders closing down the opposition making them make mistakes um but yeah you're quite right i made a few notes um or some personal musings shall we say uh that are just kind of questions to myself and and first half compared to second half i've got some of them here so uh so yeah luke luke and nine hands down the best player of the first half so far lads are controlling the game first 30 minutes uh nice one touch football going on here sparky great pressure from the front uh, I've quest- got some questions for myself as well. Are Rotherham shit at the back or are we putting them under too much pressure? 
Uh, McGeady is a beautiful dancer. I think that was his little pirouette that he had on the edge of the box. <laughs> Uh, I, I actually wondered that was also correct when I saw you. Yeah, you wrote that one down. Yeah, no, that was uh, you know just appreciating his little uh, his little ballerina dance that he did at the edge of the box there. Um, and then second half uh, was fewer notes. Um, goals being come in. Rotherham looked much better the second in its second half. Uh, someone's getting sent off here. Now we're getting outworked. Uh, how many times can McGee to give the ball away in one half of football? And then just finish with ah shite. So, um, yeah, so definitely a game of two halves in my respect, but for my opinion there. No, it, it definitely was. Martin, I take it you was up, uh, well, um, he'd have been up sort of now-ish, I suppose, for it, wasn't it? It'd been, it'd been, uh, you know, you, you probably like the later kickoffs. Uh, uh, well, yeah. that one's a, a 4.30 alarm clock, that one. Um, 4.30. You're glad so under yes, punishment. So the, well, I'm used to it now. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I agree with a lot of what Bomber said. I thought, you know, the, the thing that we've, got is that you have to sacrifice one thing for another don't you so whereas I, I agree with Bomber in, in terms of O9's energy from the front and that pressing and I think that added something to us but by playing him there you lose the, the spark and the smartness that Maguire has there so you have to we always have to sacrifice something at the minute with that squad of players that we've got and it's just figuring out what that best combination is to, to get the, the best performance out of it and he, he hasn't done that this season yet no, I think you're right there. I don't think he knows his, but I don't think he's done his best eleven for the past, well, since he's been here. So what, sixteen months or so now, you know? Because one thing I, I liked on um, Tuesday that we had so like O nine, McGeoch, Dobson in the middle, so lots of pace, lots of you know, well, I, you know, that on paper should work quite well. You know, McGeoch's passing, Dobson and O'Neill's energy. It for me, it didn't quite. Click and I also think because of that, as you said, you've got to replace one for the other. It does mean McLaughlin's playing at right back. And past me, you know, I'd actually rather see a nine at right back and, like yourself, put Maguire in the centre. Well, I think it just shows you know the the lack of quality that we brought in over the course of you know 14 and 15 months. If you look through all the signs that we've had, I think really you could only say John McLaughlin and Jordan Willis now. Uh, two players who we brought in who were guaranteed starters every week. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, you could argue a case for either coming in or, or out of the team. We don't have any fullbacks, so consequently, O'Nine is the best fullback that we've got, and he's not even a, a genuine fullback. He wasn't signed as a fullback, and we, you know, we we were overloaded with central midfield players, and he, he doesn't know the best combination certainly in that central mid- midfield. But you know that the three that played on on Tuesday. Those were the three that played at Burnley and got yes. rave, rave reviews for the performance. So you can you can understand why he gave them a, a chance, but um, it's a it's a problem. No, it, ma- it makes sense. It, ma- it makes perfect sense. Danny, what was your thoughts on the game? Quite similar to what has already been noted. Really, that first thirty minutes, we looked sharp. We looked bags of energy. The midfield worked. We were playing the ball to each other, and we weren't hoofing the ball. It got to the penalty, we missed it, whatever. And then the game just, we just stopped. We just stopped doing everything what we were doing well. They were right. a physical side, but they weren't, I wouldn't say they were great. They were there for the taking. And we were, I remember putting in the group chat, we just need half time just to regroup, set everything down and re-go. But unfortunately, we just didn't re-go when we got, to the set, uh, got into the second half. And, it was only until Rotherham scored 
we just started to wake up again. And then Mike had his glorious chance to make it 2-1. And Luke 9 in the 90th minute, just needed to shoot. He had a clear shot on goal. But... No, I agree. Just, that, that last minute shot, that was, that was really frustrating. That was one of those moments, just put your foot through it. I think he side foot it to Maguire, if I remember rightly. Yeah, um, he did, yeah. Yeah, it was just very, very frustrating. And as you say, you know, say when you mentioned the chat saying, come get to half-time, we just, it just exactly the same again. That hasty on the left-hand side, he looks a really good player. You know, he, I say, well, I don't know if he looked a good player, or McLaughlin let him, obviously. He scored their goal for them. Um, and he had absolutely acres of space, but he, he was, you know, when he, I was pleased when he came off. But you know, one one thing I sort of made like a thought of on um, on Tuesday is when the game sort of went away from us, we don't have leaders on the pitch anymore. Now I don't know what you, any of you guys sort of think the same, like because obviously we had McGeady as captain, and to me, obviously there was no Ledbetter on the pitch, but he's not a captain. He's not gonna like like you know. Obviously, someone like Catamol last season, even when he wasn't captain, he would still jeer people up and you know, get you know get the players going. Do we have that anymore? I know like Dobson was captain at Walsall, but obviously he's new to the team. Willis was a captain at Coventry, but again, is, is that one thing we're you know we're missing? Bomber, you know, what's your sort of thoughts on that? Are we lacking leadership? Uh, yeah, well, it's quite it's quite possible. Um, it, for me, Willis should have been captain yesterday. He he is a captain. He he knows how to lead. He's done it for Coventry. Um, it's, it just seems a bit too easy just to say, oh, McGeady's probably the most experienced player we've got. He's played at the highest level at the moment. So, yeah, we'll give it to him. McGeady doesn't need to be captain. He knows he's a big smish. A big smish. He knows he's a big fish in a relatively um, small pond. Um, and he's happy to play that role. He doesn't need to be captain. You're not going to get any, you know, you're not going to get that extra 10% out of him. And inherently, he is a, a more selfish player. So he's not going to be the one to, to you know, shout at the centre midfielder, shout at the centre back, shout at the centre forwards to get that extra 10, 15% out of them. Whereas I feel Jordan Willis has been there and done it. I say it just seemed a bit of a token gesture. It's like, oh, Ledbit is not playing. We've got two relatively new players in in the middle of midfield. Um yeah, it should it should have gone to Willis in my opinion. Um, I think generally though, there is a lack of leadership, or certainly there seems to be no one on the pitch who's willing to take the game by the scruff of the neck and willing to actually, you know, ruffle a few feathers amongst the teammates to to try and g them up for a game. It, it's kind of like no one wants to step forward and actually and take that on. Ledbetter does it, but Ledbetter's from the area. He's got that passion. He's he's a, he's almost obliged to by his heritage. I don't see anywhere else in the team at the minute that that can produce that. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tricky one, but I I certainly think it is an issue that needs addressing. Um, obviously, we're not going to get to do that until until January at least. Um, but yeah, there is a definitive lack of of leaders out on that pitch when things aren't going so well. It's all right when it's going well. Because everyone, you know, everyone's happy. Fans, players, managers, backroom staff are all happy when things are going well. But you could see after 30 minutes in that game on Tuesday, it needed somebody just to give everybody a bit of a kick at the backside and say, "Come on, pull your fingers out, lads. Let's get back to this." And McGeady wasn't the man to do it for me because he he needs to focus on himself. He can't focus on the rest of the team. No, definitely that. Um, Martin, for yourself, obviously we've got Bolton coming up this weekend. Um, you know, where would you, you know, what sort of changes would you want to be making ahead of that? 
Oh look, I think Ledbetter's got to come straight back into the into the team. Uh, reading between or reading what Jack Ross had said, I think um, Ledbetter was only left out really because we had two games coming up in, in the space of um, five or six days. And he's to me, he's got to be in the midfield every every week. And you can argue about his quality, but he gives you that leadership. He gives you that structure on on the pitch, and he he throws himself into things. And he, he to me he gets the rest of the team. Going and he's the only one that we've got who can who can do it, so he's got to come back in to to me for my for my um for my money. I um I think Will Griggs got to play. I'll bring Grigg back in on Saturday because if we are going to get anything out of him this season, he's got to start scoring goals. He's you know if you look at who we've got on 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 the books, he's the best bet with his track record, not with the evidence that we've seen so far in Sunderland career, but. Looking at his track record, he's going to—he's the one player in, in the team that we've got who can really get us goals to get us up. McNulty's got a decent record, and if you play him behind Greg like we have done um, a couple of times this season, like Greg's got to get—we've got to get Greg firing. Jack Ross has got to get Greg firing, otherwise he's going to become the the main reason that he loses his job for, for me. Well, that's it. But well, Greg is really—it's so the four million pound question, isn't it? Is—is is how do you get? Will Grigg firing again? Um, you know, a lot's been said about it being the player being. You know, is is it the player being lazy, not making the runs? Is it the system not not sort of working for him? If he's Jack was his choice, if it is a system, why are we not sort of doing it? Personally, I think McNulty is a starter um, on Saturday. Just the. He gives you 110%. He, he runs everything down. Um, Danny, I don't know what your thoughts are then on on, on up front then on, on Saturday. You know, where, where would you see it? I would start McNulty. He's got two and two now. He, we were talking, well, you were talking about the automatic starters in the team now and McLaughlin, the goalkeeper, Willis, Gigidi, and I'd probably put McNulty in that now. He, He's harrying, he's pressing, and just his all-round play. He he links well with McGeady, Maguire, and Gooch. There's a nice little cohesion growing between those four players. And when when McNaughty's got a bit of fitness and he's at the start of a match, it all kind of fades in really nicely. When he tires in the game and he gets to the second half, and obviously his fitness isn't where it needs to be. At the moment, he's still carrying that knock. You can see we kind of struggle up front. Um, so I'll definitely start with McNulty, but we're probably going to see him come off in the 60th minute, 70th minute against Bolton, unless obviously we're losing or drawing. Um, so yeah, McNulty, McGee starts, Gooch and then Maguire in the hole where Luke and I was. Yeah, no, I, I think I'd probably um, agree with you on that one, personally. Um, Bomber, have you, where, where, who do you see as, as the upfront now? You know, you know, as as White, is he? Does he? You know, is he now a bit of a second string? I know he had a little bit of a purple patch where he was he was sort of almost first choice. You know, where do you see? Um, you know, the, the front being. Well, he he, he probably is. Um, and it's amazing, really, just a testament to how quickly you can fall out of favour because everyone was saying. Um, at the beginning of the season that Charlie Wokes on number one striker you know he's the man we're going to be pitting in our hopes on he's the man that we signed and we're finally seeing the 
the, the benefits of that now. And now all of a sudden he's, you know, people are calling for Will Gregg to start over him. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. There is, there is a bit of a conundrum with our strikers. And there, there was something that I just wanted to address from, um, from the game on uh, Tuesday. Um, and it's going to be a bit of an unpopular opinion. Cause I, I know Jack Ross in particular got a lot of stick for swapping um, McNulty for, for Wyke, um, saying that he didn't know what he was doing, this, that, and the other, and it was a terrible change. I actually think that was the, was a good change. You know, it, we were under the cosh a little bit. We were bypassing the midfield. So Jack Ross had made that change because McNulty was ineffective. He was stretching the game when we were playing through the midfield. All we, st- all we were doing for that second half is lumping the ball up uh, and it was just coming straight back and straight back. So actually the tactical change to put Wyke on, I think, was a good one. And I might get some pauses for that. But he saw that actually nothing was sticking up top um, and, and then made that change with the view of it, of White being able to hold the ball up and actually give our defence a bit of a break. Um, that said, uh, I don't think you cannot start. Sorry, you cannot not start with um, McNulty on Saturday. With with strikers, it's all about form. Yeah, he's got two and two. He's looked dangerous. He's looked threatening. Even if it, he does only last sixty minutes and he comes off for either a White or a or a Grig, he's the man who's in form at the minute. He's the man who's scoring goals. Um, Jack Ross is in a lose-lose situation with his Bolton game on Saturday. If we lose, it, you know, with all intents and purposes, the, the fan base will probably lose faith in him. Um, if we win and we win one or two nil, it's well, everyone else is beating Bolton four or five, so it's not going to be good enough either. Um, so he needs the players who are in form. He needs the players who are going to be more guaranteed to score in the goals at the moment. For me, that's McNulty. Um, I'd like to see 9 stay up there as well. I would like to see probably, um, well, you know my feelings on Gooch. Um, so I would probably like to see Maguire, O'Nine, McGeady and uh, McNulty as the front four. Okay. Well, well I think the um, the biggest question on, obviously, because Bolton on Saturday, they are minus 10 points. They've got no wins. You know, in typical Sunderland, that's a guaranteed Sunderland defeat. <laughs> that's how it normally works um, and the biggest question is who's, who's going to score the winner is it Bridcut, Buckley or Daryl Murphy um, but in all fairness that, that we should we need to be going to Bolton like, almost like in the same mindset as the AFC Wimbledon game when we played by one like one small blip we battered them really you know we played really really well um, and as I say I think me and Danny have probably got the same mindset um, of who should be the front line I don't. I think defensively, you know, myself, I actually would rather have O'Nine as I'm going to right back just to. Um, cause I, I don't rate McLaughlin. I gave him a bit of a benefit of doubt when he was played at left back. I don't think he's he brings anything to the team. Um, you know, are we happy though? Sort of like defensively, McLaughlin. I mean, some people say McLaughlin goal might need dropping, but I don't agree with that in the slightest. Martin, defensively, are we happy though at the back? I think Willis and Ozturk are. The, the two first choice centre halves now, and I think ultimately, O9 and Hume at present are our two best fullbacks. Mm-hmm. We need to see what this Belgian lad from from Leeds is like. But apparently, he's not going to be in contention for Saturday, so we, you know, Hume's going to be left back, and O9 needs to play right back because McLaughlin's just not doing the job. You know, he's he was caught horrendously out of position for Rotherham's goal on on Tuesday night, and he, he's just looked very very poor. Um, since he signed. 
No, I, I agree with you, Danny. Are you on, on the same page as us, or do you see something else in him? Um, no, I'm sort of on the same page. Um, sorry, I've completely lost my train of thought. Would you play um, Onina right back? Sorry, yeah. Right, so yes and no. So we need that continuity at the back. That's the biggest thing what we're missing at the moment. It's 10 games in now, and we haven't kept one clean sheet and it's chop and change chop and change chop and change we've either had McLaughlin left back McLaughlin right back Hume left back Flanagan's played the centre back now at the start of the season so it, we're going on about clean sheets and that desire to have them and it is vitally important that we, we start doing that but okay. we're not going to get that unless we start playing the same four at the back so even so we play McLaughlin, get him a bit of confidence, and it's Bolton. So hopefully, we're not going to be under that much pressure. And if we keep a clean sheet between McLaughlin, Hume, Ozturk, and Willis, then that's something to build on for all four of them. And we can go on to the next game, and hopefully, on the next game, and the next game. I like O9. He probably is our best right back somehow. But if it means we've got that extra option to either start O9 in. Uh, behind the striker in midfield or on the bench as an option to come on in the last 60 minutes when we just need that a little burst of energy on the pitch to help us out then it'll be better for everything in the the 11 for Sunderland okay. At risk of another unpopular opinion Go on, uh, Brett um, Obviously I hadn't really I put 09 in, the, in that front four and not really thinking about the, the back four um, Wasn't Flanagan signed as a fullback? in particular a right back initially um, I know he's got his detractors and he's pretty much the most hated defender that Sunderland have got right now but Conor McLaughlin is very quickly taking that mantle um, if we need a right back and we want 9 further forward maybe try playing Flanagan in the position which we signed him for so it's always an option isn't it and as, as Danny said you know you don't want to say it does you know any, any game's not easy for us we, we always find you know some way to make hard out of an easy situation. But yeah, it's always an option to bring him in. You know, if you want to, you know, put O'Neill further up, I think, you know, ideally, I, I'd say I I like him right back. I think he's got the legs to almost a bit like, you can't compare the two, but how Ashley Cole used to be a left back and overlapping and getting forward. I, I like that in full backs. I like them overlapping, getting forward, getting crosses in you know, helping out the, mm. the wingers. And I think he does that really well. So I don't think yeah. Flanagan would do that. But I say it's... Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, uh, maybe I'm just getting a bit too swept up in the in that first 30 minutes of, of 09 in, in the midfield. But I, <laughs> I say, I think he was, he, was, he was probably the difference for me in terms of how quick we were playing and how much pressure we were putting them on. So maybe I'm just getting swept up in that. We, we could can do I, two of him. Can I make yeah. a point about the two energy, the, the energy of 09 in the middle? It was Dobson and 9 yes. It really added something to the team. Dobson was here, there and everywhere. And so was 9 Dobson was in a ball in the air. It was nice to have someone in midfield who had to drive to hit himself back to the defend and then all the way up to help the attack. 9 and Dobson were both doing that for the first 30 minutes. And it was really refreshing to see that this season because I, I can't remember a time in League One, Sunderland have done that or had a midfield who have done no, and that. I think that's what makes it even more frustrating on um, Tuesday, though, where 
we've done that for the half for the first half hour. And similar as I say, the three of them played at Burnley with um, McGill because well played together at Burnley. We got a good result, and then we just ended up just like avoiding all of them and booting it above all their heads. So I think that's what was the most frustrating thing from from Tuesday's game, where we had a you know a really good formula going on, and then we just completely ignored it. The um, hoofing the ball, it comes down to not having that leader on the pitch, what we've spoken about already. We just didn't calm down. No. So we were under the cosh a little bit and the nearest thing we could do was hoof, 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 trying to get the ball to McGeady on the left or Gooch on the right, just to give us a bit of space. When White came on, it was their primary target just to get it forward. And we just needed to get the ball on, ball on the floor McGeoch on the ball, O'Nine on the oh well, Dobson on the ball and O'Nine on the ball, just to calm it down. We just didn't have that. It got away from us and the inevitable happened and we conceded. So it's just it's trying to find a way to play under pressure and we just seem to be caught. It's strange, do it. isn't it? Because I, that injury that you, you spoke of with, with O'Nine and Dobson, I I completely agree and it was it was great to see that. But you think that's actually perfect for a team facing a bit of pressure because we can get out, we can get at people really, really quickly. And I think if we've if we've got somebody like Ledbetter holding the midfield, no nine and Dobson just herring off everywhere, that could actually work pretty well. But the the concerning thing for me was how quickly we went into our shell after we missed that penalty on on Tuesday, and that that is down down to leadership. But the the whole conversation about these fullbacks, whether we play Hume or we play Flanagan or whatever, it just shows how ridiculous it was that we spent all pre-season training and playing a system with wing-backs. Because we just don't have the, the, the players in those positions. No, you, mind you, you're 100% right there. The only th- I know, obviously, at the moment, there's a lot of um, Ross in, Ross out sort of debate. I think, to, to his credit, though, he, we tried something and then quickly saw it wasn't working and then went away from it and, and scrapped it. But it was almost a little bit too little, too late that then we started the season. We were saying literally scrambling around at last minute to try and get a you know cover for a left back. So it's um you know it's it's a it is a difficult one I must say. But sort of moving away now from um sort of Tuesday's game and, and, and Saturday's game, obviously there was big news um, this week. Now I need to be very careful how I say this because I don't want anyone to think that I've announced it and I haven't. <laughs> um, the takeover that will hopefully be happening shortly um, appeared to take another another step with um, screenshots of a company's house flying around Twitter and Facebook. I, I think it's a bit of a daft question, but you know how excited are we <laughs> right now about you know? the possibility of Sunderland's future. Um, you know, Martin, can you believe that, you know, we are on the verge and I'll say it's not a done deal by any stretch of imagination yet that, you know, the Dell boys, as I keep hearing them being called, that they, they can be taken over. <laughs> oh, look, it, it all sounds great, doesn't it? And it all sounds brilliant on paper. They seem to have the the money. We seem to have the, the backing. Um, and, you know, they're, they're obviously not doing it just for a bit of fun. They're, they're going to do it to, to get the club back into the into the Premier League, so you know it's it's usually exciting. It's, it gives us every it's all a lift because I think while while I certainly think 
um, Stuart Donald and Charlie and and the other the other guys they've done a done a great job since they took over. I, I think they've done an out, outstanding job. Um, of course, they made a few little mistakes along the way, but overall, they've they've done a, a really good a good thing for us. But they don't have the clout to get us competing in, in the top of the championship, to, to my mind. So to get these these guys in, they'll, they'll give everybody a lift. The the biggest thing, though, is we've got to get out of this league. And mm-hmm. we've got to get out of this league this season. So, you know, how, how much that money impacts what we do this season is is debatable because, um, you know, the from a financial fair play perspective, I, I don't think they can chuck tons of money in for transfer fees for, for this season. No. So, you know, it's, it's a it's a balance between long, medium to long term. It's it's brilliant. Short term, is it going to affect us that much? I don't really know. No, and I think you're right there. And, um, you know, because of the financial fair play, you know, it's not like we, in January, all of a sudden Jack Ross, or if, if it's him or if he's not, whoever, um, they're not going to have a massive war chest to spend 20 million in the champ, in League One. You know, that's just, just great. I think, as you say, we've just got still the players we've got, you know, we live within our means, get out of the league. And long term, I think the future is very rosy. But, you know, the, we're Sunderland. You know, they're, they're, in my eyes, it's always something. If it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Um, but, you know, let's, you know, yeah, fingers crossed it, it does all go through. Um, we have had a rich American before. Exactly, yeah. We, exactly. We've got a billionaire owner. Look, look what happened there. But it could be worse. We could have Mike Ashley in control. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it, could be, it could be worse. Um, I'm just going to go very quickly to some questions that we had from um, from Twitter today. So, obviously, we put out a bit of a shout to everyone um, to ask some questions and um, see what we you know, you know, to ask you guys, basically. Um, and the first one is from Owen Young. Um, and I'll start with you, uh, Danny, on this one. Um, it's basically regarding the leaked comments about Stuart Donald. Um, why do some fans feel like this is appropriate behaviour? Because to me, it's disrespectful. So that's obviously about the, um, is it, was it 13 second, 10 second recording where um, allegedly Stuart Donald's talking to somebody, mentioned something about Will Grigg, about the system or the player. And then he makes a comment. Well, uh, along the lines of, don't quote me on it, Roy Keane would, would jump at the opportunity or something like that. Um, Danny, what, what do you feel when you hear sort of things like this banded about on Twitter? It's, it's definitely stupid from a Sunland fan perspective. You, you're putting the, the chairman, you're dropping the chairman in it. it. It's unfair for a couple of fans to have a conversation with the owner and secretly record it. it not right he's he's out he's having a couple of drinks obviously and just being honest and you don't need to you don't need to film that and the fact that it's 13 seconds it it could be horribly taken out of context he's laughing about it he could be joking about it you don't know what he's saying in the next two seconds it it's edited and put out in a way which is harmful you never know what could have happened from that Luckily, it's, what, four or five weeks old by the sounds of it. So it's not going to affect anything major. It looks like it's already dealt with and all the parties know about it. But if that only came out today and it was new and it was fresh, who knew what? Who knows what could have happened with that? It, it could have had an effect on the takeover. 
could have done anything. Yeah, we could no, be without I, a manager. I agree. Like, there, there's nothing to gain from it. And as you say, you know, before I say it's a 10 second clip. He could have been, he could have been out, and the guys who he's with. He's like, oh, get Roy Keane in, get Roy Keane in. And then he said, no, no, he's not, he's not coming over here, Jack Ross. You know, conversation's gone on. Oh, you know, he knows Roy Keane will jump at it. You don't know how that conversation's gone about. It's just, I, I just, it annoys me. And also, it's just, you know, the guy, Stuart Donald and, um, you know, and Charlie Mefflin, they, they, they go out, they chat to the fans, uh, um, you know, at the pubs for, you know, I've, I've met both of them before games uh, on different times. I met Charlie at Burton. And I, uh, I met Stuart Donald. I think it was at Port Vale in the Cup. Uh, don't, quick, you know, quick chat. They're happy to speak to anybody. You don't want the chairman to be like he's, he he can't talk to the fans. You know, Bomber. I, I think you, I, I'm certain you, you agree with us that it's it's not right. Surely. No, it's not right. I mean, if uh, I don't know the intricacies of who's who's posted it or who's recorded it, if it's been recorded by a Sunderland fan, then they're just an idiot. Um, I think it's been very cleverly edited. Um, knowing, oh, I don't know Stuart Donald and I don't know Charlie Meffin, but Stuart Donald has always come across as a bit of a tongue in cheek, like we'll crack a joke here or there, um, and a bit of a, a bit of a lad. So it, it, it smacks of something that he said tongue in cheek, um, because he knows it, it'll get a laugh, but someone's cleverly edited it, um, to, to make it look like it's something that's more serious and there's more in it than what it actually is. In my opinion, what it is, it's a, a handful of blokes having a couple of drinks. Someone set, someone's obviously set, set that comment up, recorded his response and then cleverly edited it to, to make it newsworthy. It's for me, it's not newsworthy. And like I said, if it, if it's a Sunderland fan who's recorded that and has, has leaked it in inverted commas, then they're, you know, it, they're not worth the time. They're just an idiot in my eyes. No, that's exactly it. Um, and an, another question we had um, online today, which I wanted to save um, for Martin to answer first. I think he, he'll definitely have the, probably the best answer out of all of us. So um, this is from Arbroath Mackham. And he asks, does anyone go to local games just because an ex-Sunderland uh, player might feature? So Martin, I'll, I'll leave it open to you to answer this one. Yes, well, in, in Australia, we've got this very high-quality league called the, the A-League. And I um, go to go to games now and again to get a football, a bit of a football fix. I was living in Sydney for a while, so I used to go along to see Sydney FC play, and I saw a few few ex-Sunderland players there. I made a, made a special trip to, to see Liam Miller, who was um, obviously, unfortunately, now, um, now departed us. But Liam Miller played for Perth Glory and... Brisbane Roar, I think, and I saw, I saw him play a few times. I um, I moved to an unfortunately named place called called Newcastle, and lived in, in Newcastle for four years. And I I made the uh, well the, the ground the the team's actually called the Newcastle United Jets, which prevented me from ever supporting them in any way, shape, or form. But I used to go down to the, the ground there, and every now and again I saw Roy O'Donovan. Um, Strutter's stuff. I also I saw Roy O'Donovan get sent off for a flying kick at the keeper's head in in the A League Grand Final um, last year, I think it was down there, which was probably the highlight of um, Roy O'Donovan's career. But now I've seen see a few <laughs> see a few ex Sunderland players there. There was a lad called I think he's a is he at Oxford now? Alex Gorin. Um, he was a Wellington Phoenix 
So Wellington Phoenix are a New Zealand club, obviously, but they play in the in the Australian A League. So I went, I made a special trip to see him play once as well. So now there's a few few people dodging around. Oh, that's good, good. And obviously, uh, Michael Bridges was out there for us for a while as well, wasn't he? Mickey Bridges was, and I um, it's funny because. Uh, Around Newcastle, there's a lot of places with northeast names. Newcastle, as a, a city in Australia, was was formed by a lot of people coming over from the, from the northeast, big coal mining area. So in in around Newcastle, we've got a place called Jesmond. There's a place called Gateshead. I don't live in Newcastle anymore, but um, there's a place called Lambton, which is where I used to live. I actually used to, used to live on Durham Road in in Lambton. And Mickey Bridges used to live. I think he still does live in Newcastle, but he used to play. By the time I got to Newcastle, he'd retired from pro football, but he played for the local park team called the Lambton Jaffers. <laughs> so you you, you, pay, you paid a couple of dollars to to get in, and um, had the, had the pleasure of watching Mickey Bridges play park football. Oh, good work! I know, um, I just, well, it, it was not quite as good as Mickey Mickey Bridges, but I was down in Newquay um, on like a bit of a lad's holiday when I was like sixteen, seventeen, and they had a pre-season friendly, and it was Newquay v Watford. And in goal for Watford was Alec Chamberlain. Um, it was a little blast in the past for us. That was a, <laughs> an interesting one. Um, but no, well, I'll, I'm, I will leave sort of like now though for the questions from Twitter. So thank you guys um, for those ones. Um, some Exile Branch news. Um, and I am going to preempt this and say if I get any place names slightly wrong, please don't. <laughs> like message us because it's not my fault um so we've got the thames valley Mackums um who are on twitter at uh, at tv Mackums. um they're having their first outing for the shrewsbury game so if you're in the area and get in touch with them um on twitter because they're, they're trying to arrange sort of like meeting points uh lifts and pick up some people um so that's the thames valley Mackums at tv uh, tv Mackums. The Peterborough Supporters Branch, uh, they can be found on SAFC and it's P Borough Branch, so P B O R O Branch. Um, their branch meetings are held at the Three Horseshoes in Warrington, I believe it is, on the first Monday of every month to chat all things SAFC. Um, so that's the Peter, Peterborough Supporters Branch. Um, the Scottish Branch who are on Twitter at Scottish SAFC, um, a meeting on Sunday, the 13th of October in Glasgow um, at the wonderfully named Waxy O'Connors um, at 2pm. So that's Sunday, 13th of October in Glasgow. Um, and that's a Scottish branch at Scottish SAFC. Um, we've got the newly formed Essex branch who are on Twitter at Essex SAFC um, and they're going to have their very first meeting at the Ale House in Chelmsford uh, that is Saturday the 28th of September um, at 6pm so that's uh, the newly formed Essex branch um, and the last one we've had is from the Sunderland it's the NASA Association group so it's the Sunderland North Association sorry the Sunderland North American Supporters Association um, so they are at SAFC underscore NASA N-A-S-A um, for the Bolton game they are meeting up in Skellywags bar in Toronto um, and for the MK Dons which is obviously my uh, local team around here in Milton Keynes they are meeting in Toronto and Philadelphia um, but if you go to their Facebook page or um, there's a link on the Twitter page uh, the at SAFC underscore NASA they've got all the information on there 
Um, unfortunately, we are pretty much oh. run out of time for us. Um, I Brett, have... there is one more. Sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry, to interrupt. sorry to interrupt you. There's one. Yeah, there's one who I got who got in contact and I messaged and said that I'd give him a shout out. So um, it's the Norfolk Sunderland branch. So Norfolk Sunderland AFC supporters, which on Twitter is at Norfolk SAFC, are also having their first branch meetup on Monday the 23rd. So that's this Monday coming and is going to be in the Complete Angler in Norwich from eight o'clock. Oh, I've been in the complete angle, actually. Have you now? Yeah, we've done that last time we played Norwich. I think, if I remember rightly, that's on the, on the river there. Yeah, there's a picture um, on the Twitter, on Twitter and it looks like it's, it looks not quite a nice place, to it, be fair. It was a nice pub, actually. A nice pub on a sunny day. Um, was that, that's us, then. I, I was going to have a massive um, like conversation involving pink slices and um, seeing what you guys thought, sir. But we'll have to leave it for another time, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, Martin, Danny, Bomber, thank you very much for your time. Um, You have been listening to the Rogue Report Exiles podcast, and we hope to see you all soon. Take care. Cheers, Brett. How are the lads? Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.